Okay, so this is uh, take one of our new podcast. This is Eddie. This is Grace. And um, we are trying something new. Uh, how did this get born today? I don't know. This got born, I assume you were rounding on talks when this idea just flew into <laughs> your mind. I think I wish I had a more glamorous <laughs> story, but I was probably just bored and on my phone and looking at podcasts uh, on my on Spotify and um yeah I just I thought it would be cool to uh, talk about some things uh and have other people <laughs> listen to us talk about them. Um, just wanted more people to listen to us. <laughs> yeah, um, Grace and I are sitting in her living room. We just saw Vox Lux in the movies and. We can also we can also convert this to a podcast in which we analyze Vox Lux because that's the it really was it was something something I think um I would recommend it I would recommend it I, I guess it. but a movie podcast would be cool but that's not what this is about that's not what this is um so the general principle is that we are going to uh talk about an interesting case uh that one of us saw in the emergency department and then. After that, take a step back from medicine and talk about something else and something that really interests me and I think a lot of people is uh, mysteries of the world and uh, we have a mystery that we're going to talk about today and I don't know, Grace had the astuteness to point out that I think this is, it's a nice juxtaposition to all the knowledge we claim to know in medicine. It's sometimes nice to talk about the unknown. Um, I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of unknown in medicine, too, but it's okay. Sweet. So, <laughs> I'll get started with the case. So, <clears throat> this woman was in her late 30s uh, with a history of insulin-dependent diabetes that was poorly controlled, migraines, um, and homelessness. She was status posted BKA and was wheelchair-bound at baseline, and she was coming in with two days of vision loss. So she reported basically for the last couple months, she said her vision had been intermittently blurry. She described having spells lasting a few like seconds to minutes hmm. where she would have, she maybe, maybe have a headache sometimes, feel a little bit quote dizzy and then her vision would be blurry. Um, <clears throat> also maybe during these spells would have some pain with extraocular movements which she didn't volunteer, but was elicited on a review of systems. And this all kind of came to a head two days before her presentation when she had, she said she woke up and there was like an acute worsening and she could really only see um, objects, kind of their outlines and like shapes moving in her vision. And over the course of the next two days, her vision went, per her report, entirely to black. Like she couldn't see anything at all. Yikes. That's interesting. Uh, and I'm sure you asked her this, but it was definitely both eyes, it seemed like. Yeah, definitely both eyes. She said she couldn't see anything from either eyes and that the whole process had been binocular and symmetric. So I have to admit, anything ophthalmologic or uh, having to do with vision freaks me out as chief complaints. Sure. And I, this year I actually made a, um, a goal to like sign up for more eye complaints but this doesn't this isn't necessarily even an eye complaint it's like a vision which could be anything yeah absolutely that's the goal of mine too this year because there are so many chief complaints where you see them on the board and you're like oh shit i don't really know how to deal with this it would be so much easier to see this person with abdominal pain um, but that's also been a goal of mine and that's part of why i signed up for this woman yeah so what were you thinking when you first heard the story yeah i was um 
I was thinking that, <coughs> excuse me, I was basically trying to think for off the bat about how to localize this, um, because uh, there, uh, as, as you mentioned, I wasn't sure if it was going to be ophthalmologic or neurologic, and I was, in asking her my review of, like, all the, all my HPN review systems, I was kind of trying to get a hint to where it might be, and I was also thinking about the things that would be most common in someone in, with her risk factors and her age, yeah. um, and then trying to kind of remind myself of the weird zebra things as well. So, <coughs> off the bat, the kind of, the first thing I was thinking about, um, was first of all, I was glad that we were 48 hours out from this and that I didn't have to get too fancy with thinking about stroke syndromes mm. and like having to do any major management decision. Yeah, um, that's a good point. But so that kind of gave me a little more time. But you did say it, it started suddenly for well, I, obviously, she had a, it sounded like she had a, some symptoms leading up to it, but mm-hmm. her current situation started suddenly, but it was two days ago. Mm-hmm. So she's outside of TPA window right. or even embolectomy right. or whatever. No intervention yeah. if this were. Okay were primary ischemic stroke. <laughs> so the big thing that I was thinking about at this point was MS because of her age and her gender. Um, mm. And I, and she was having pain, you said. Exactly. Yeah. She was. She didn't bring that up. I asked that in thinking about optic neuritis. The other, in, in fairness, the um, I had extra data when she came in, which was that she had been seen at an outside hospital that day who had referred her to UC. And the outside hospital had done... Um, a bunch of labs and a non-contrast MRI of her head. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and they they were reading that MRI as concerning for bilateral optic neuritis. So that, like, <coughs> a little bit pigeonholed me. And, and you can get that diagnosis with a non-con MRI? So that's a great question. I don't know the, like, sensitivity and specificity. I would think of it as... I would think of it as with contrast for just like right, right for MS. any MS thing. Yeah. yeah, but maybe you can see sort of. The yeah, I don't know the answer. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, we'll have to look it up um, for next time. But that, like, yeah, so that like definitely anchored me a little bit into the MSE questions for her. And how did she get in? Out of curiosity, did she? Ambulance. Oh, she yeah, she called an ambulance okay. and then. <coughs> so and then the other thing on her history is that she she had this history of migraine. She said she'd been having a migraine for the over the same time period. Hmm. Okay. So um, migraines was on your differential. Yeah. Sounds like I would obviously be a diagnosis of exclusion. Yeah. As always, it is for people with headaches and neurological complaints. But it was definitely like on my on my list of things. Okay. So I guess to just think about what we should think about when someone comes in with a sheep complaint. So MS is a great thing on the differential on migraines. So what else? Like I guess anything that affects one eye is less likely to affect two eyes at the in the acute setting um but i guess is is possible um so i don't i would also be thinking i guess about like vascular stuff um uh especially with the pain too but it's i don't know that doesn't sound like that was her presenting thing uh what else um yeah, I think <laughs> I was definitely thinking of vascular things and um, art like arteritis as well, giant oh, cell right, arteritis, right. obviously being on that list. Was um, she having a headache or no? She was having headache. Oh, she before. was. Oh, you said a migraine. Yeah, right, 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 yes, yeah. yeah, she was calling it a migraine, but I feel like people call everything a migraine. Um, the and the the your point about like something happening to both eyes was definitely on my mind because thinking about like the tract through which light gets to the brain and the fact that you start with two eyes 
you meet in the optic chiasm <laughs> and then you go back to opposite sides mm. of the occipital yeah. lobe like something wherever this lesion is it's gonna have to be hitting at least two places unless it's in the optic chiasm and yeah. i typically don't think of like like your pituitary tumor or something affecting the optic chiasm. sure which i guess is a possibility right but yeah. typically we think about like bitemporal vision loss in that yeah. case or it would just and then I guess something that affects the whole occipital lobe, which would be like press or hypertensive emergency and, um, and, but normally I don't think it's typically presents as acute vision loss and normally there's other symptoms and yeah. I don't know what her blood pressure, we'll obviously get to the exam and stuff, but, um, that, that would be something that I have had people with press that sort of say their whole vision is kind of gone, but mm-hmm. I, I've never heard of complete vision loss right them, right so. and that was also that was one of, the, one of the first things i did with her um because she i feel like the, the list of things that can make someone have like blurry vision or decreased vision is a lot higher than things that make people have absolutely no vision at all we can we'll get to the exam in, in a second but um but yeah press absolutely although like you say like the fact that she didn't she like didn't have any other encephalopathic features or hypertension or like any of the other characteristics of press was a little yeah. bit would be unusual to say the least this is interesting <coughs> so we uh, i can tell you a little more about her exam maybe. yeah um oh and then i guess yeah i a question for the exam uh because i'm assuming her eyes weren't red and inflamed because that uh, leads to a whole another totally. set of diagnoses and the painful red eye and vision loss as a whole um something i going back to what i said earlier is i'm very uncomfortable with mm-hmm. uh so that would add a whole um another set of diagnoses to think about yeah totally so in terms of her um her opto exam her like lids lashes were totally normal her um conjunctiva were totally normal um her she didn't basically her eyes looked completely normal her extraocular movements were intact um her pupils were both reactive and she didn't have an afferent pupillary defect um (laughs) so that right off the bat was interesting the fact that her like certainly light was getting from her eye to the reflex arc to cause like her, her pupillary right. reflex tells you something. So we know, yeah, we know her optic nerves are working. <laughs> They're doing something. But she's not since sensing Yeah, so when I had, world. when I had the, I had the lights off in the room, and when I had the, the pen light, like, in her eyeball, she was saying that she couldn't see anything, nothing at all. Couldn't. Interesting. Because uh, often people can see light, right? Or, or sense light changes, even if they have blindness. So. Right. Interesting. Right. Um... <coughs> And then besides that for her exam, I did a complete neuro exam. Um, so this woman, as I mentioned, had a BKA and was wheelchair bound. So she was had some like, she, when I asked her if she was weak, she kind of said she was weak everywhere in the setting of being deconditioned. I couldn't appreciate any focal, like true focal weakness on her exam. She had some pain in her leg that was limiting some of it, but it wasn't like the world's clearest exam, but mm-hmm. it didn't seem like she was really weak. Um, And then besides that, she had some numbness and tingling in her hands and feet that she said she had had for, like, months and months in the setting of her diabetes. And then, like a chump, I asked her, I almost started, I had her put her finger to her nose, and then I put my finger out and said, touch my (laughs) finger, before realizing how insensitive I was because she literally couldn't see. How how did you do extraocular movements? Did you just say, look to the Uh, right, look to the, okay. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) And uh, her 
eyes were not red. Or, no, they okay. looked, they looked yeah, they, okay. yeah. And you didn't look in the back of the eye, I'm assuming. No, yeah. no, I did not. not I saved, the, saved <laughs> the oh, I do that all the time on every single fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, interesting. Okay. So what happened? So, <clears throat> so at that point, um, we, the, I think the thing I was most worried about, especially in the setting of having the, the outside MRI that was concerning for optic neuritis was MS and optic neuritis. Um, and then also thinking about GCA was up there. I didn't really think it was going to be a, a problem inside the eye itself because her eye exam was so normal and because it would be weird to have a problem with both yeah. eyes at the exact same time. If she, I suppose, like, and this is, I suppose she could have, like, some predisposition to renal detachment and she just got so unlucky it happened yeah. at the same time, but that wasn't, that seemed super unlikely. Um, and I'm sure she has diabetic retinopathy, but, like, to have acute blindness in both eyes at the same time does not make sense right absolutely and that was like the other big thing about her is that she (laughs) because she like her her age and her sex were kind of making me think about ms and making me think less about gca given her age and then her her like uncontrolled diabetes was making me think way more about diabetic retinopathy and uh, diabetic ophthalmologic complications and about like vascular complications like i mean yes she was in her 30s but like if you know if any Per, like woman in their thirties was gonna have a stroke was gonna be someone with un- like sure. vascular risk factors. Yeah. Um, so, but so like you know, <laughs> renal artery occlusion, renal vein occlusion, bilateral posterior strokes that only make you that have no other findings on neuro exam at all seems kind of unlikely. Yeah. Um, so, at that point, um, we, <laughs> I sent labs, sent an ESR and CRP. Um, and uh, ordered an MRI brain and total spine with and without contrast, and then I called neuro first. Um, and one of the, we, it was funny, I actually almost paged them, <laughs> like interesting ED console, <laughs> just to differentiate, to get their attention in case they had a whole line. Sometimes um, I do that actually. Yeah, totally. Just so, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll say like actually emergent. Console. Yeah, you gotta stop. You can't be like the boy who cried wolf and always say it's interesting. Yeah, right. Um, oh, and a question: You did? Uh, did you want any vessel imaging? Like, did you order an MRA or did you consider doing a CTA? No, that's a good question. I didn't at that time because she so didn't have a stroke syndrome. Yeah that I but in, if they were gonna work her up more for stroke, they would have wanted that too. Right. So I could have done like. Uh, the neck. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, like if like, her carotids, yeah. but like it, it still wouldn't. Ex- I mean, that would be so unusual for her to like have sent off clots to both. To, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't really think about okay. that. Um, so uh, then I, so I spoke with neuro, and one of the things that neuro um, said to be kind of like in the hallways we were passing each other was, "Do you think this lady is bullshitting?" Um, they were kind of the first to bring that up. And yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a super real thing. And I, like, uh, I was, I sort of hedged. I was like, part of me thinks that she is, and part of me thinks that she isn't. I should know that during my, during my um, exam, I was kind of trying to, like, figure out if this was real or not and get ways to, like, do the, the like, vision equivalent of dropping yeah. someone's hand on their face when they say they're weak. Um, or having a fake seizure. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I didn't have that many tricks on my sleeve. I basically, I basically tried to, like, you know, give threatening stimuli to the eyes, like blink-to-threat kind of situation. Yeah. Um, 
and when I was I was kind of like moving my hand directly at her face and she said she was like oh I can feel I can feel oh, the, the air wind. from that yeah, yeah. yeah. she was interesting she was, yeah she was like blinking and being like yeah I can feel that yeah uh, but her blink to threat was super diminished she like blinked a little bit on the right eye but not super consistently and okay. way way less than I would expect. yeah I've had just as an interesting sidebar I have um so two stories one I had a trauma who came into the general and was complaining of complete blindness in one eye uh and I was really concerned because the mechanism I think it was a, a pedestrian um auto accident and he I, I thought potentially he had dissected or something that was going on um but he was just very very high in the tincture of time you know he he I think he wanted to leave after about an hour and he kept saying it's getting a little better I can now see your feet I can now see your torso and he had ascending like resurgence of his vision which didn't make any sense and then I also another note is I had a patient uh, when I was on neurovascular that was faking a stroke for two weeks on our service and it's really hard to sometimes distinguish I mean at this patient, we couldn't get an MRI because uh, he couldn't fit in the scanner, so that made it a little difficult to definitively say. But these patients do come in, and so um, yeah. and that was really hard. We had like multiple attendings kind of get fooled by him. Totally. Yeah. And and if she and you, I mean, imagine trying to pretend that you're blind and not looking at at any like not looking at people when they come in the room, like not moving your eyes to any stimuli. It's like really that's yeah, quite interesting. Um, and that kind of gets it. Some of Opto and Neuro, Opto who was also consulted, and Neuro had some like tricks up their sleeve as well for that. Um, Let's one of hear the, them. Yeah, so one of the ones uh, that Opto did was basically testing the optokinetic reflex with an optokinetic drum. So they basically have like they have like a magic show essentially that they do. They have this In like those leather bags <laughs> that they carry yeah, around. Exactly. Goes <laughs> full of tricks. Um, so they have this like spinning drum basically that has black and white stripes and when you when your eye notices the the like the movement or the the kind of illusion of or it is moving but the the optical illusion you get black white black white yeah you get this kind of nystagmus that's super super hard to suppress um and she notably was was not reacting to that at all so interesting they were they they were impressed by that yeah it's um, like tongue wag with alcohol withdrawal, which I guess you can kind of fake, but people, people certainly try. <laughs> they do. <laughs> They're like all. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was one of the things that they tried. Um, they also were tried blink to thread, um, and uh, <coughs> they were kind of after they had examined her. I spoke with Neuro, and Neuro was kind of on the fence still about. Uh, as as I was about like whether how much of this was organic versus volitional. Yeah. So uh, let me think if there's anything because uh, I want to know what happened next. But what else can we? I mean, if you if this patient had had just one eye lo- loss of vision, then I guess you probably would have gotten ophthalmology involved, right? Mm-hmm. Did neuro-opto come down and see them in the ED? Neuro and opto came and saw them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is neuro-opto a separate, like, neuro... I think there are, like, neuro-ophthalmology neuro- neuro- fellows somewhere floating around, but I don't know if you could get them overnight. The okay, ED. so neuro and opto as two services came yeah. into yeah, the ED. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Did they do a fundoscopic exam? Yeah, it was normal. It was normal. So, yeah, that was a Did great... you mention that today? Or... No, I didn't okay. mention right. that. Um, opto's exam of the retina and their fundoscopy was, like, totally normal. Okay. Hmm. So she got an MRI? Yeah, so she got um 
they ended up after uh, Neuro came and examined her. I think they were like on the fence enough that we they ended up changing like recommending just doing the MRI with and without of her brain just because she had no symptoms at all that like localized to the spinal cord. So might as well save the time and resources. Um, right. The and they um, so we. Besides that, all the labs came back pretty bland. Um, her ESR and CRP were not elevated, and um, the MRI was totally normal. Interesting. Quick question: Do you know if ESR and CRP are elevated in MS? Because it's an inflammatory state. That's a good question. I, I don't her. know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, know. We'll have to look that up. I'll put it. In. Um and. Uh, then the like the real twist in this case is the fact that neuro admitted anyway, uh. even with the MRI negative, which I feel like has never happened. Yeah, I'm at least to me, I was shocked by that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I feel like. Well, I, I have seen it happen once or twice where they are concerned enough, but then I get frustrated because. They should have just admitted from the yeah before them right exactly <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't dependent on them right I've had them I guess for TIA workup also TIA yeah also yeah yeah um, <clears throat> so the other big thing that we haven't we like briefly touched on was the possibility of this being a migraine um, mm. and uh, there are like case reports of people having vision loss with their migraines um, it sounds like that's that's something that happens obviously as we're familiar with it's much more common to have positive visual symptoms with your migraine like your typical aura than it is to have vision loss but it's a thing that that is is thought to have happened but again like these are all anyone who's making that diagnosis is like living with the same uncertainty that we were of like is this real as an ed physician i'm never gonna say it's although what if you had given her a migraine cocktail and she just got all the way better yeah and we did give her a migraine cocktail um and it didn't immediately make everything better. But I did, we, I, that was kind of on my mind. Yeah. I wonder if I would have, I guess if neurology was already on board, but if this patient came in without entirely community and I didn't have a neurologist available and they got better with a migraine cocktail, I might I feel risk like, it. I don't know. I feel like I'd just, still tra- like transfer them. Because like transient vision loss is like a whole other ball game of badness. Yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> but, um, so she, so they, even with the negative MRI, they, um, they opted to treat her with steroids for the possibility of optic neuritis. Hmm. Um, what, what, like high dose steroids or? Yeah. What, yeah. I don't remember that. I don't know okay. the actual dose, but. So they did give her steroids. Um, and then in the next, do you want the ending? Or I do want the okay. ending, yeah. In the next like 24 hours, her visual symptoms improved. Okay. Almost entirely back to baseline. So, what does that mean for her now? Like, does she have a diagnosis of having had optic neuritis? I guess so, right? If she improved with steroids? I think that the, in talking to Neuro, like, following up with them the next day, they kind of felt like it was not, a, a, like, a reasonable timeline if it had been optic neuritis. That, like, her recovery was so swift that it made them think a little bit more that it was volitional. Hmm. But it's, it's like, <laughs> it really, I mean, it, it gets at the, the, like, the mystery of medicine because she had some findings that were kind of, like, really hard to fake. And she, like, yeah. I mean, the question of, like, what brings people to the, to, to seek medical care with, like, complaints that are not organic is such a, a like deep and complicated question and like like why would she do that yeah 
like, was it a conversion disorder? Like, was, did she have some secondary gain reason for being there? Like, it's, yeah. there's no way to know. And this is such a spectrum, too, like, faking it is, is this broad umbrella term mm-hmm. we use, and it is, like you said, it's, it can encompass such a wide range of motivations and patient experiences like she actually might not have been able to see even if there's no real pathology going on right right there's some pathology but it's not uh, right and like where we choose to draw the line (coughs) excuse me on what's medical and what's not is really arbitrary right like we'll say like psychiatric disease is part of medicine Mm. even though we don't know how it works but like if she was so maladapted to her life that it made sense for her to like fake being blind and go see a bunch of doctors and like take a be transferred from one institution to another like that's that's pathology that's psychopathology that's social pathology like is that in our is is that in our court still i mean it's not obviously in my court as an ed physician but like something was going on with that lady that wasn't in like her normal healthiest most well state right and you and i were talking about this earlier (coughs) but like it's hard for us sometimes uh, you're right, it's not in our court as ED physicians, but we see these patients all the time. Or we see yeah. people that have these yeah. social needs and, and wide range of motivations all the time. And, and it's hard sometimes when we're busy and we're seeing so many people. And sometimes people are truly just using the emergency department for yeah. for tangible things that like pain meds or food or like getting inside. And that's sometimes easy to identify, but it's hard for us sometimes to separate when it goes a little deeper and um, and people maybe have a need that we're not going to meet that day, but uh, but maybe the medical system needs to, I don't know, just have a little bit more um, nuance in looking at what's going on there. Yeah, especially because oftentimes, especially these people that come in all the time, our way of dealing with them, which is like kind of treating them the same as we would someone who had a quote organic complaint and I hate that term because like right. everything we do is organic like if you're we're all made of carbon yeah we're all making we're all making behavioral like <laughs> we're all behaving a certain way because of our brains it's all organic anyway uh like if we if we like act if we like play the game like they're they have chest pain and our, it's our regular differential and it's not because they're there's some like other secondary gain aspect of it you know we don't make anything better we send them away and then they come back we send them away and they come back like, yeah we'll come in a million times with the same complaint. and we feel good about it because we have a negative trope and it's like yeah discharge yeah but yeah. like and it's it's hard i don't know where this fits into our jobs and you know it can't all fall on us but sometimes i feel like we think none of it falls on us right. and you know i make urgent care appointments a lot when i feel when i have this feeling like oh this person needs a little bit more care but that's passing the buck a little bit like it's you know, they're going to meet with an urgent care doctor that's going to probably also have, just have 15 minutes to deal yeah. with this patient's many, many psychological and social needs. And I don't know sometimes how to um, best get people plugged into those uh, services. I, I, I mean, I don't think any of us have an answer to that, Yeah. especially in a city with uh, su- such needs. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But um, I, I don't know. I, that's an interesting case. I wonder if... Wait, so I guess she won't be on... They're not going to start her on an MS medication because they don't think that... No, because they don't have, okay. like, the radiographic diagnosis of MS. Yeah. Okay. Um, I should go visit her. If she's still in the hospital, I should go yeah. visit her. Yeah, she can see what you look like. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, cool. Well, that was an interesting case. Uh, I feel like, yeah, vision and eyes really freak me out. I'm not good at or confident with my slit lamp exam, um, but I'm working on it. And I try to pick up those patients when I, when I see them on the board. Uh, that's a good habit. That's the advice I always, I had for the interns this year was as an intern you should pick up things that make you nervous because otherwise second year you enter less confident yeah (laughs) um all right well um i have a topic to talk about that's up away from medicine um but there are some medical things that i feel like are relevant to it uh i wanted to talk about the i hope i'm pronouncing this correctly because i otherwise we're going to keep saying the word incorrectly the whole time but uh the taos hum and do you know about this? The it's, Taos Hum? Oh, was, it's like, I've always said Taos. Taos? Taos. Now you're now getting the Taos. Taos. Taos, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, which I... Which is where my grandmother lives. I can't believe that. So you're which grandmother on which side? My mom's mom. Is this the same grandmother that has a saying about humming? Because no, that's a different grandmother. Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> really okay, wait. Something. So what is what is your other grandmother saying about humming? She says that if you hum, at, well, I have to, I have two grandmothers. One of them is my like hippie house New Mexico grandmother, and the other one is my like Greenwich Connecticut golf grandmother. Mm. And my Greenwich and I love them both dearly. And my Greenwich Connecticut golf grandmother says that if you hum at the dinner table, you will marry a crazy man. Oh my god. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. Yeah, my dad um, wasn't so eloquent, but he was... My dad was a Marine. He had all these weird rules about, like, singing at the dinner table. It was, like, totally not okay. So, um, <laughs> must be a Connecticut thing. I don't know. Um, wow, if you hum at the table... And little did you know that your other grandmother is from a place where everyone's having humming at the dinner table all the time because they can't prevent it. So the Taos hum is a a very interesting natural phenomenon that um, was first noticed in 1993, I believe. Uh, And basically it started to get picked up in the media because all of a a sudden people were saying that they were hearing this low frequency humming noise uh, throughout the day. And it was all these people in this town of Taos. Is it a town or a city? Have you know. been there? I've been there a bunch of times. Does she live there now? She lives there now. We should go visit her. We have to go and see it's if wonderful. we can hear it. It's wonderful. We should um, totally go. So enough people were hearing this sound. And the best way it could be, it's been described many different ways. And, and it's actually led people to think that it might be multiple different phenomena that people are, are describing. Especially because you know how like mass mentality works. Like if you hear about something, then you like think you, maybe you're experiencing it even if it's something different. But it was described as a, a humming, but some people describe it as a whirring or uh, like basically a, um, like a purring and they described it as a, a diesel truck in the distance idling hmm. that was the best way that, that sounds kind of calming right yeah. that's what I thought when I read about this but it led to a psychological distress for a lot of people and some people have even committed suicide from it. Oh, yeah because imagine and we'll get into this because I, I think it's an interesting subject but like imagine just like not being able to escape something that's irritating to you right like mm-hmm. like residency like residency <laughs> oh my god that's so real residency <laughs> is our house home um 
so yeah, so babe, it was distressing to a lot of people and, um, and they, they tried to actually, I think Congress, like a bunch of citizens of Taos wrote a letter to the federal government. They want, uh, <laughs> help, us. help us. And so I think Congress, I might be wrong and you can correct me if uh, someone can correct me if, uh, if this is incorrect, but, uh, basically Congress or somebody did a study, uh, a survey study in Taos and, did epidemiological research on what this sound was and they identified that two percent of the population in the town could hear it which is interesting it's not very many but it was enough to cause an uproar and enough people that that's a lot of people yeah that's two percent is like the weirdest percent because like it's it's not it's like real people like there we should look up how many people there but i would guess like tens or tens to hundreds of thousands like a, a fair number of people so it's like it's enough people that it's like definitely something is going on. Yeah. But it's so few people that like why those two percent? Have why? you ever seen the leftovers? No. Okay. That show is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. It's on HBO, it's only three seasons, so not that much of a commitment. I don't know if it's like I think you would like it actually. I don't know. It's a very like apocalyptic weird show that is about all of a sudden, I'm not going to give anything away, but the premise of the show is that on one day, everyone wakes up, or it happens in mid-morning, 2% of the population of the world disappears. Mm-hmm. And that's the world and not a city of Taos, but it's interesting because it's not that many, like, it's not that high of a percentage, but it's a ton of people, and mm-hmm. and I remember it being 2%, so that's a... It's an interesting um, comparison to that that being the percentage in the hum, but um, but it's, it's it's such a great show because it it talks about like the differences between those two two percent of people and everyone else, and I don't know, I you think about that in in this type of thing as well. So what they found is it was two percent of people, and uh, it spanned wide range of ages so it was most common in middle age so it's not like old people were hearing it and children or children were hearing it it was just sort of uh across ages and it was exactly equal between males and females i assume it didn't localize to any one place in the town no and localization the farthest out so people could escape it so if they left the town if you heard it if you left the town you didn't hear it anymore but one here reported hearing it up to 48 kilometers away hmm. um so but then after that he couldn't mm-hmm. so that that's interesting i don't know what that means but it but it did mean that there was something local to the town that that um that was causing this so they did all kinds of things and they installed recording devices high sensitivity recording devices in people's houses that heard it and uh they never picked up anything and so there's um there's a lot of thoughts about what might be causing this. What comes to mind for you? Well, it's okay. So the obvious answer is that there's a physical thing making a noise and some people can hear it because their hearing is good enough or because they have some weird genetic thing that allows like some special hair cell, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like it's not that because it's not in one place. That would be, unless it was something that was moving, it wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. expect it to be like a true physical thing. Um, the other thing that comes to mind because you're on tox is tox mm. that like people are having some exposure that's hard to epidemiologically map that's giving them tinnitus or like or whatever or maybe there maybe it's a neurological cause maybe it's an ear cause maybe it's a psychological cause but that it's maybe causing there's a Bayer problem. factory there <laughs> yeah there we go exactly <laughs> the aspirin is in the water um, yeah and tinnitus is one of the thoughts although. 
like you said, I mean, it seems external, right? It seems like something's causing this. Um, and it's so weird that it's in the town, but not anywhere particular in the town. Like that it's, it's, it, it, they don't get it other places. Cause if, I mean, I can imagine some exposure that you get in Taos and then you carry it, like it, you know, you damage your, your eardrum or whatever, and then you go somewhere else and it's still the case. Yeah. Um, so maybe I take it back and it does localize to somewhere in the city. Yeah. So the, well, so let's just first talk about the idea that this is coming from internal because there is the proposition that this is tinnitus or that it's auditory hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this kind of goes back to what you said earlier about like us, us sort of identifying a psychiatric thing and automatically calling it a, mm-hmm. a psychiatric disease. Um, there was, when I was reading, I kind of got into a rabbit hole when I was reading about this and there's all these... Um, interesting thoughts about auditory hallucinations uh that are that are really fascinating to explore especially as a doctor because so first of all there was an experiment that was done uh that basically i think it was done at stanford university and they sent pseudo patients like fake patients to eds and the patients were claiming to hear hallucinations like hear words not like no delusions like the word they weren't telling there was no voice telling them to do anything it was just was like a couple words and i think they standardized the words i think it was like empty and thunder or something and all of these patients got diagnoses of schizophrenia or like schizoaffective disorder or manic depressive disorder um which is really fascinating because i don't know if you have i've so i've had hypnagogic hallucinations mm-hmm. I, I used to have them very frequently when i was younger mm-hmm. like and for those who aren't familiar with that long and kind of unnecessary word as you're falling asleep your mind kind of like shifts in and out of wakefulness and sleep and um often you have like weird hallucinations and experiences the sensory experiences and so i like sometimes hear full conversations as i'm falling asleep wow but i'll be awake yeah and it's really disorienting is it like frightening or is it Uh, i think it can sometimes it depends probably on the state of mind that i'm in but like like if i'm in a stressed state of mind as i'm falling asleep it probably causes me more stress but then Mm -hmm. um but then, like, sometimes it's just, like, a little calming. I'm very tired, and I just, like, hear voices. So, and it's always people, like, I know. Oh, wow. Or, like, vo- it's, like, I would hear your voice. I probably spent a lot of time with you today. So, like, maybe, it, like, later I will just hear your voice in my head <laughs> saying just random stuff. And um, there's something called exploding head syndrome. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Where as you're falling asleep, you hear a loud explosion, and it wakes you up. Like, or you, you're not even asleep, so you're just kind of half asleep, and it makes you sit upright and kind of get scared. And I used to, um, I don't know if I ever heard explosions, but I used to hear like loud bangs that would wake me up right when I was falling mm-hmm. asleep. So I'm just saying, I mean, it would be weird epidemiologically for all these people in this community to have this, but I don't know. Yeah. It, it like, have you ever had a patient in the ED, this has happened to me like a handful of times where they're being totally crazy. Like they're acting just really their behavior is wacky and maybe they say they're hearing things or they're like saying that they're having like what sound like bread and butter psych complaints um but psych says that they're faking it like psych will say (laughs) like i had a woman who was saying that she was psychotic and that she was hearing voices telling her to kill herself and psych was like no 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 no. we know this person she is like she's just saying that so she's like faking a psychiatric disease. Ergo, it's this is not in our wheelhouse. 
and we're not and then we just like of course it's like such a situation because like this was someone who could not go home and like couldn't psych was saying it wasn't their problem and like i really i mean it takes some cojones to make that call oh, but yeah. like i mean but she had, not she any... had just been admitted there for like months or something not months okay. but like a long time yeah they like were I, intimately our psych colleagues <laughs> god bless them because they have to deal with a lot of of things in the in the emergency department and elsewhere but i mean man to be able to like it, it, they don't have the testing and the type of things that we yeah. lean on and so to be able to make that call is yeah. pretty that's pretty crazy yeah um and it was i'm trying to i don't actually remember <coughs> i think we actually got this woman back to psych ultimately because she had just been discharged but that would be like the shitty medicine admission of the year yeah. oh, i know oh man hearing voices yeah and it's like doesn't believe oh man um yeah so anyway the there is the thought that this could be auditory hallucinations and the time what's interesting about this is that the time it's most heard is around sunset mm. and Again, that could be an environmental thing. It also could be that ambient noise is like down at that time mm-hmm. and then it's it's louder or that we're creating sounds to fill silence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we as a society have a lot of discomfort with silence mm-hmm. and um, that's a whole different subject that's very fascinating. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they hear it at that time more than others because it, it does occur throughout the day. But people say if you want to hear it, you know, that you should um, you should listen around s- sunset and people hear it more in houses than outside. Huh. That's so weird. Yeah. So there's all these thoughts about what it could be, and, and so I'll run through some of them. Some people think it's wind blowing through the mountains around mm-hmm. uh, around the house. Ta- taos. Taos. And um, other people uh, think it, it, it could be um, uh, something basically coming from the earth, and there was this research done in the 2000s by this German... Um, I remember it because it was so creepy. The Black Forest Observatory, which sounds like a Nazi lair. Um, but <laughs> they, uh, they basically like did all this seismic mapping of the world. And they, they, their belief is that these hums, because there are other hums in other cities um, that also have not been explained, uh, are caused by tecto- like tectonic movements that are very tiny or like ocean, um, basically like waves like hitting like the California shore and getting transmitted across the country. I don't know how much I believe that, but like maybe that's like a trigger point where like, mm-hmm. right. Where there's just some mechanical explanation. There's some force that's being transmitted and people can hear it. Yeah. Some people, some people, I will say, <laughs> right. And like being in your house, like conducts the noise in some different way. Yeah. Like comes through the walls or something. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about Taos and we should totally go there is that it's, Wait, wait. Actually, tell us, tell us other things that people think it is. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what you're going to say. Have, about. I'm going to give um, you my number one. Well, bet. okay. So, that, so those are like a couple of, of um, purported uh, explanations. And then there's some people that think it is – so that there's a couple – I should have read more about this because I don't have my phone in front of me. But there is um, 
there are these low frequency transmitters that the federal government I think has up in Michigan and Pennsylvania and some people think maybe that's being sort of transmitted um to like where you can hear the way the waves the most is in Taos I don't know if I really believe that and then the conspiracy theories get crazier and crazier Mm -hmm. there's like underground military labs Mm -hmm. there's testing um in the area like New, I mean, New Mexico is where, like, Area 51 was and Roswell. Mm-hmm. Have you been there to Roswell? No, I haven't. I've we have there. to go there, too. <laughs> I heard it's pretty uh, touristy and, like, mm-hmm. not... Um, but, like, I don't know, aliens... People think it could be aliens, Did too. Did Danny and Allison go there? Danny and Allison went to... No, they didn't go to Roswell. They went to Marfa, Texas. Oh, that's very cool. They went to Santa Fe... New Mexico. That was the place in New Mexico that they went. Gotcha. Roswell, I don't know where Roswell is geographically, but I mean, military testing does happen in in these areas, but it wouldn't be so continuous that people would hear a sound. I don't know, unless there's some underground generator that is causing. Um, But anyway, I want to hear what you think. I was just going to say, and I'm surprised that this didn't make your list, but when I first went to Taos, the first time I went there, I was probably like 14 or 15 and my grandmother moved out there <coughs> and the first night I slept there and I'm from the northeast so like the northeast is a very you know like provincial the British are coming suburban place where I grew up um and I had never really been like spent a ton of time in anywhere in the southwest at all and the first night that I slept there, I didn't sleep the whole night. Oh my god, maybe you heard the hum. I don't think I heard the hum, but it was just such a... There was... It was such... I was just having, like, intense non-dreams. Like, it was such a... Like... This is... We're gonna have to cut this, because it makes me sound like such a, like... No, <laughs> no, no. But, 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 like, there was such intense energy in this place. Like, no, it was so... That was doesn't just, make you sound crazy. No, but it was just, like... It was, like, it was just, like, there is something, there is something here that I've never encountered before, and I, like, it's making it so that I can't sleep in this house. Like, I wasn't, like, scared, per se. It was just, like... Like, wired. The yeah. The air was wired. Yeah, totally. I thought you were going to say something different. That's very interesting, because that is actually, sorry, I should have mentioned, electromagnetic mm-hmm. energy is a consi- is a uh-huh. consideration for one of the causes. But, they think that, I don't really understand how that would transmit to being able to hear it. Yeah. But they think that it's, like, an ele- I think it actually has been shown to be an electromagnetic high hotspot but it was caused by the power lines in the area uh-huh. or something we're gonna get such a good science consult on this on this i later. know i don't yeah this is very interesting but, but it just it's just like it's kind of a magical place is what i really was trying to get at is that like oh my god like, <laughs> it's just like there's all this crazy history that's gone on there it's just like yeah a place where a lot of conflict has happened in the history of america and there's, there's a lot of art created there's a there. lot of beautiful yeah. art there's a it's just like it's really a like if like it's definitely the most like magical and strange place I've been to. In wow, it's that's really cool. I'm glad that I chose this topic. So we should absolutely go there. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something else. I thought you were gonna say like coming from the East Coast, it was like an oppressive like silence and like then it was hard to sleep. Like because you know how sometimes mm-hmm. when you're. I remember, okay, I have a side note. Mm-hmm. I, um, last year, went backpacking solo in Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of the desert without, there were no, because I, I it was in the backcountry, so there were no other campers around me. Mm-hmm. So it was complete silence. Because there's not a lot of, like, animals that are around. Mm-hmm. There's a couple, but um, jackrabbits are one of them. And they're very cute and kind of alarming when they jump really quick. <laughs> um, but anyway, I would be, like, sleeping in my tent. And then I would hear, like, sonic booms 
in the middle of the night. Is this your exploding head syndrome? No, 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 no. I guess I wouldn't be sleeping. I would be like watching the stars. Um, <laughs> and I would hear a boom. And I thought I was going crazy. I was like, because I, but I had never really experienced like that profound of a silence before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, am I actually, I have, sorry, I'm like flight of ideas right now, but this is very interesting. Um, one time I did float therapy and I created sounds in my head mm-hmm. when I did that. Have you ever done it? No. It's wild stuff. I think I would fall asleep and drown. <laughs> you don't, can't drown though. You can't flip over. Oh, good. Okay. It's really fascinating. It's like Stranger Things. Uh-huh. Have you watched Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah. yeah makes you telekinetic anyway so that was like the only other time when i had experienced such profound silence and i was hearing these sonic booms and i was like am i creating this in my own head like what is going on and it turned out i did a reddit search and there is a military airfield where they do like plane testing uh and they break the sound barrier oh shit nearby like i maybe a hundred miles or something but enough that you could hear it and i um and so the, I don't know, I, I don't blame people for kind of, first of all, like being in silence and hearing things, but then also thinking that it could be the military because like yeah. often, yeah. The, I don't know, often yeah. there's unexplained stuff. But that is so interesting about Taos having such energy. We have to go. Yeah, we totally can. Um, is your grandma an energetic person? Yeah, she is like... <laughs> she, I was gonna, t- I should text her right now because she's on text. She sends a lot of emojis. Oh, nice. Uh, she was very active in the Occupy Taos movement. Oh, wow. <laughs> she, yeah, she has a couple of donkeys, a couple of dogs, and a cat. That's so New Mexican. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very much so. You like her a lot. Does she cook with green chilies? Uh, yeah, she. She probably she's not like the spiciest cooker, but she she cooks with a lot of, uh, a lot of local stuff. That's cool. Really good, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting her, and I hope I'm one of the two percent. I don't know, <laughs> maybe not. Um, so I'll start to wrap it up. But basically, um, those are some theories. In, but the interesting thing is that it's not just in Taos. This has been observed in multiple other towns, including Bristol, England, West Seattle. Um, uh, and basically in some places they, they have other explanations for what it could be. They say it could be traffic. And in one case, they, they, this actually happened in Sausalito. There is a type of fish called a midshipman that makes this, I actually have to pull it up because it is so creepy sounding. Hold on. It's called a midshipman and it, um, makes this mating call that's a humming and it was vibrating through the holes of the houseboats in Sausalito and um and they identified it and they think that in Seattle it's possible that that, that's what's causing it uh I don't know if I believe that but um hold on I have to play because it's really creepy here it is I think it stopped recording. I don't know if it lets me play the video and... Oh, it probably doesn't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys did not have the pleasure of listening to... <laughs> which is... A, it's a creepy-ass fish. Um, so anyway, they... that That's a thought that this... Wouldn't it be cool if it was a weird animal that was causing Yeah, this? that is... If, in my real bet, my real number one bet, is that it's some environmental or natural thing that just isn't described. Yeah. Which is the explanation for most natural phenomena, I feel like. Um, and so the, basically, 
they've said, we don't know what this is, but they're trying to get people to calm down about it and go through cognitive behavioral therapy to basically not view it as stressful and view it as like a calming or like something that isn't a big deal because mm-hmm. people, some people are really distressed by it. Mm-hmm. Like I read this one Reddit post that was like, I'm from Taos and I can't ever go back to my hometown because of this home. Oh my God. Isn't that insane? That is insane. <laughs> you know how we have the pulse little tinnitus clinic? The, let me try again. The pulsatile tinnitus clinic yeah. at UCSF. Apparently you have to be evaluated by like multiple psychiatrists before they'll see you there. Because there's so many. Are you kidding? I heard that like third hand. I don't actually. I have no. But maybe that's true. Yeah, just because it's such a. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we all hear things or see things or don't see things. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's the Taos hum. I don't know if we'll solve the mystery, but. I'll, I'll go in person and report back mm-hmm. with Grace and her grandmother. What's her name? Becca. Becca. That's a good kind of bohemian name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we are going to end each podcast with something we're, like, excited about um, as a little one-minute resident wellness corner. Uh, I am excited about... My last week of toxicology, because uh, this is the best part of second year. Um, I'm getting a lot of me time and yoga and exercise and sleep. Um, and then uh, I am also excited because we have a gift exchange at Brian Berger's house. And Dr. Brian Berger has bees on his roof. And he's told me all about them. And I'm so excited to meet them because bees are one of my favorite animals. What are you excited about? Why does he have bees on his roof? He raises them for honey. Wow. Isn't That's that cool? Like- California, I feel like. Yeah, but he has a man that does it for him, which is also peak San Francisco. San Francisco. (laughs) He has a man that comes into his house and like harvests the honey and gives him like some bottles and then uses the rest for like the man. It's his business, so he sells the honey. Yeah, yeah. My like little side hustle slash hobby of paying someone else to make honey in my room. (laughs) Got a burger. Um, let's see. I'm actually going to miss the gift exchange. Oh, no. Because, I know. Because I'm doing the thing that I'm excited about, which is going to Colorado and going skiing for three days. Oh, that'll be so nice. Yeah. You're going to Breckenridge. Yes. Did you get your allopurinol? You mean my acetazolamide? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We have to fix that in, in post. I mean, I'm going to be drinking and eating gout. a lot. So I might gout might act. Oh, man. Allopurinol. I don't know where that... Um, acetazolamide, because you said you've had mountain sickness before. Yeah. In, when I was in Taos. Is Taos elevated? It's at like 7,000, but I drove to 9,000 and then hiked to 11,000 and then died. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it makes the skiing a little headier. Like you're, yeah. you get more of a rush when you're. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like vomiting into my Oh, uh, I miss that. That'll be so fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, who are you going with? Marguerite. Marguerite, Marguerite Thorpe. She's a wonderful doctor down in LA. Let the people know. Let the people know. All right. Thank you all. Um, I don't know. Well, this is an experiment, so we'll see. Yeah, that wraps it up for today. Bye. Bye. Watch Fox Lux. Hey, everyone. It's Grace. Um, I'm here with some corrections from today's episode. So if you only want to hear the emotionally true version of our podcast, you should stop listening right now. Uh, But if you're interested in the factually true version, 
stick with me and listen for a second. Uh, so very quickly, some clarifications from earlier. Item one, um, you can see evidence of optic neuritis on a non-contrast MRI, but uh, the study of choice is a GAD-enhanced MRI. Item two, the correct term for what I described as faking a seizure is a psychogenic non-epileptic seizure. Item three, ESR and CRP can be elevated in MS, but it's not a super good test. Um, they're not always elevated. Item four, uh, you can't hear electromagnetic waves. That's not something that your ear can sense. Um, and item five, the population of Taos is 5,668. Thank mm -hmm. you.